please remain standing for the reading of God's word from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. 2 Corinthians 1, 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us, you also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this wonderful passage of your word. Thank you that you wrote it for our instruction, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. So use this word in our lives today. Give us, help us to hear your word rightly and to understand it, and that it may be, you would take it and apply it to our lives, that we may grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Carolina Sandelberg was a, a Swedish Christian lady. She lived in the 1800s, and in her life, she experienced a lot of suffering and sorrow and a lot of, a lot of pain and loss. But she also felt God's presence and God's comfort in that suffering. When she was 26 years old, she went on a trip with her father on a, on a boat trip on a lake in Sweden. But what started out as a pleasant trip sadly changed. As they were sailing along, the boat took a sudden lurch, and that sent father overboard, and he drowned in that lake while she had to watch that happen. Then the very next year, her sister died of a tuberculosis. And the year after that, her mother died. 
A, a few years later, Lina was married, and that was a joyful marriage, but her husband's business failed, and that plunged the family into poverty. They only had one child, but that was a baby girl who died stillborn. In the midst of all of these sufferings, Lina wrote this in her diary. Let me never seek any other support than yours. All other supports are unreliable, and they fail when you want to rely on them. But you are steadfast. Well, God is steadfast, and he comforted Lina in the midst of all of her suffering. And in out of her deep sorrow and the comfort that she had experienced from God, she would write many, many hymns that have brought comfort to many Christians. One of those hymns is Day by Day and With Each Passing Moment, and another one is Children of the Heavenly Father. We'll be singing that hymn at the end of this service. It's a hymn that really describes how God as a Heavenly Father cares for and comforts his children. I'll just read a couple verses from that hymn. Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord his children sever. Unto them his grace he showeth, and their sorrows all he knoweth. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children ne'er forsaketh. His the loving purpose solely to preserve them pure and holy. Well, Lina was comforted by God in her suffering, and she learned to rely on the Lord in that suffering. And the Lord used those sufferings in her life and the comfort she received to be able to comfort others. Well, this passage in 2 Corinthians is about how God comforts us in our suffering and his purposes for bringing both the suffering and comfort into our lives. This this passage is the very beginning of 2 Corinthians. It's how Paul opens his letter. So what was the context of 2 Corinthians? Why did he write that letter? Well, the city of Corinth was a city in Greece that is a very wealthy port city, and it was a city where Paul ministered for a year and a half, along with Silas and Timothy. And he labored there to plant, plant the church. But after Paul left Corinth, there he heard about problems in the church. And so he wrote a letter to correct those problems. But that letter was misunderstood. We know that because he wrote 1 Corinthians to address some of those misunderstandings and other issues in the church. But after writing that letter, it seems that Paul also wrote another letter that he talks about as a sorrowful letter. And so... Uh, that letter was not included in the canon, but following that letter, he then wrote the, book of, the letter of 2 Corinthians. And by the time that 2 Corinthians was written, the problems in the church had, uh, there had been largely resolved. The people, there was a lot of repentance, and Paul rejoiced in that. But there was still a faction in the church that was causing problems. This faction were led by people that were called the super apostles. These were leaders that were proud. They boasted about they were wealthy and they're in their gifts and their oratory and their status. 
and they didn't like Paul, and they tried to oppose Paul in his work. So he wrote the book of 2 Corinthians to warn against those dangers and also to uh, express his love for the Corinthians that had repented and to teach about God's purposes for suffering, among other things. Paul himself wasn't a leader that was very attractive in the world's eyes. He wasn't, um, he had endured a lot of suffering. We know that he, his presence, he says, was weak and contemptible. People didn't, uh, could, could be prone to look down on him. He also had a suff- some kind of physical suffering that's called his thorn in the flesh. He also would have had marks from all his beatings and scars from all the, the suffering he had experienced for the sake of the gospel. But the super apostles apparently thought that Paul's suffering showed that God didn't care for Paul or that maybe Paul was being punished. And they seemed to think that, like Job's three friends, that because Paul was suffering, that automatically meant that he was being punished by God. But although that is sometimes God's purpose for suffering, uh, there are many other reasons as well why God brings suffering into our lives. In Paul's case, those sufferings didn't mean that he wasn't a follower of Christ. Actually, those sufferings were a mark of that he experienced those in the course of his ministry and work for the Lord. Though God does bring suffering into our lives for reasons, but he also comforts us in those sufferings. And these verses in 2 Corinthians teach us about God's comfort in our suffering and teach us really four aspects of that comfort. They teach us about the nature of comfort, the source of comfort, the means of comfort, and the purpose of comfort. First, the nature of comfort. The Greek word that's translated comfort here is the word parakaleo. And in this passage, in these in this passage, it occurs 10 times. Sometimes it's translated as consolation, but it's actually the same word in the Greek. So I'm going to reread verses 3 to 7, and where it says consolation, read comfort, just so you can see how much this passage speaks about comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our comfort also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the comfort. Well, what is comfort? This, well, comfort actually means, in the Greek, to come alongside someone to strengthen and encourage them to impart to someone courage and strength and hope and peace and joy. One of the leading uh, Greek lexicons of the New Testament uh, defines this word comfort this way, to instill someone with courage or cheer, to comfort, encourage, and cheer up. 
Comfort includes the idea of sympathy, but it isn't only sympathizing, it's also imparting a strength and a courage and a hope that enables someone to continue on um, even in the midst of suffering. Paul received that kind of comfort from the Lord, and that comfort enabled him to write this in 2 Corinthians 4. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And this comfort, the comfort that God brings, is comprehensive. Verse 3 says that God is the God of all comfort. And he comforts us in all our tribulation, so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble. There is no affliction or suffering that we face where we cannot receive the Lord's comfort. God doesn't promise us a life that won't have suffering that, or that will be free from trouble, but he does promise comfort in the midst of any trouble and suffering that we will face. Secondly, this passage shows us the source of comfort. Verse 4 says, we are comforted by God. God is the source of comfort. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all sources of comfort. Acts 9.31 actually speaks about, specifically about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But in here in our passage, verses 3 and 4 draw particular attention to the comfort of God the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. God is the Father of mercies, the one from whom all mercies come. He is full of mercy, and he is the God of all comfort. He is also our Heavenly Father. He chose us for salvation from before the foundation of the world and then sent his beloved son to die for our sins and then adopted us to be his own children. 1 John 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And God the Father is loving and compassionate and a heavenly Father who comforts his children and cares for them and always does what is best. Psalm 103, 13 and 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Thomas Light was a lazy and an irresponsible man. He had a wife and he had three sons, but he was a distant husband and father. He neglected his family. He was preoccupied with his own pleasures. He loved to fish and hunt, and that's, that's all fine, but he did so to the neglect of his family. Eventually, he would send his two older sons off to boarding school, and he would abandon his family. And shortly after he abandoned his family, his wife and his youngest son would die. But even this tragedy didn't change his attitude toward his other two sons. When he did write letters to his sons, he didn't, he didn't even sign his letters as father. He signed them as uncle. He didn't want to be responsible for his children. 
and the nine-year-old boy, Henry Light, had to grow up rejected and abandoned by his earthly father. But he would grow up to put his faith in God as his heavenly father. And the heavenly father would comfort Henry Light and care for him. Henry was comforted by a relationship with a heavenly father who was so different from his earthly father. And Henry Light would become a pastor and would become a hymn writer. And out of the comfort he received, he would write hymns that would bring comfort to others. One of those hymns is Abide With Me. And another one is Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. That hymn is a paraphrase of Psalm 103. And Light wrote these words about God the Father. Father-like he tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame he knows. In his hand he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. God, our Heavenly Father, is our source of comfort, and he cares for his people. Verse 5 draws our attention to the comfort of God the Son, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. It says, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation or comfort also abounds through Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is fully God, but he became man, and as a man he experienced every kind of suffering and sorrow. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And the book of Hebrews says that he understands and sympathizes with us. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No matter what kind of suffering you may be facing, Jesus understands and he sympathizes and he offers his comfort he encourages us to pray to him, to come boldly to the throne of grace for the comfort and the help and the grace that we need. He also identifies with us in our sufferings. That's an amazing thing, and that's because we're united to him. Verse 5 says, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. When Jesus stopped Paul on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And that's because we are united to him, that he identifies with us in our sufferings. And we actually get to share in his sufferings when we suffer for the sake of the gospel. And he also identifies with us in our sufferings. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Because we're united to Jesus, 
we share both in his sufferings and in his comfort and the glory. Not only is that true, but as our sufferings abound, Christ's comfort also abounds. As our sufferings abound, Christ's comfort even abounds even more. And many Christians have experienced this. And they've testified that they never felt God's presence and comfort so much as when they were going through great suffering. One of those Christians who experienced this was a man named John Payton. John Payton was a Scottish missionary. He was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands in the South Pacific. These islands uh, were inhabited by pagan cannibals. But John Payton and his wife went to those islands to bring the gospel as missionaries. In the year 1858, they sailed there. They weren't prepared, though, for all the tropical diseases. Their body wasn't used to those. And within the first year of arriving, John Payton's wife and his son would die of disease. And he had to bury them himself. And as he, he wrote about that experience, he wrote this. But for Jesus and the fellowship he vouchsafed me there, I must have gone mad and died beside that lonely grave. I felt her loss beyond all conception or description in that dark land. It was very difficult to be resigned, left alone and in sorrowful circumstances. But feeling immovably assured that my God and Father was too wise and loving to err in anything he does or permits, I looked up to the Lord for help and struggled on in his work. Peyton did struggle on, although his life was constantly in danger. People were constantly following around with him with spears and threatening him, threatening to kill him. And there was very little openness to the gospel. The people seemed very hostile, in fact. But in the midst of all these sufferings and this discouragement, Peyton wrote that he experienced God's comfort and love and presence in a way he in such a deep way that that enabled him to continue. He wrote this, Without that abiding consciousness of the presence and power of my dear Lord and Savior, nothing else in all the world could have preserved me from losing my reason and perishing miserably. His words, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, became to me so real that it would not have startled me to behold him as Stephen did gazing down upon the scene. I felt his supporting power, as did St. Paul when he cried, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is the sober truth, and it comes back to me sweetly after 20 years that I had my nearest and dearest glimpses of the face and smile of my blessed Lord in those dreadful moments when musket, club, or spear was being leveled at my life. Oh, the bliss of living and enduring as seeing him who is invisible. John Payton had felt God's presence and his comfort most strongly when he was suffering the most. As the sufferings of Christ abounded, so God's comfort abounded as well. So no matter what they suffer, God is always there to comfort. And he also increases his comfort that as our sufferings increase, his comfort also increases. God does not allow us to suffer beyond what we're able to bear. 
but he gives his comfort as well. God himself is the source of our comfort, but there are many other sources that people look to for comfort. We can look to money or power or any kind of addiction and anything that we can look to for the Lord instead of the Lord for comfort can become an idol. But God is the source of comfort. And so in all our suffering, anything experience, look to him for comfort and he will provide it. Thirdly, this passage shows us the means of comfort. It shows us two ways that God brings comfort into our lives. The first is God's word. And Paul models this by, by writing this section of God's word in which he reminds the Corinthians of the truth about who God is, about his character as the God of all comfort and his purposes for suffering and for comfort. Psalm 119.50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. Thomas Boston was a Scottish Christian pastor. He lived in the 1700s, and in his life, he, did endure, he endured much suffering. He lost six of his children in infancy, and after he lost his sixth child, who was a daughter named Catherine, he wrote this, I never had such a clear and comfortable view of the Lord's having other uses for children than our comfort, for which ends he removes them in infancy so that they are not brought to the world in vain. I saw reason to bless the Lord that I had been made the father of six children, now in the grave, and that were with me but a very short time. But none of them lost. I will see them all at the resurrection. That clause in the covenant and the God of thy seed was sweet and full of sap. Thomas Boston found comfort in the promises of scripture, of God's word, and specifically, he found comfort in the promise of Genesis 17, where God said that he would be a God to his people and their children. And that promise gave him comfort for his own children who had died in infancy. And Boston wrote a book about suffering called The Crook in the Lot, The Sovereignty and Wisdom of God Displayed in the Afflictions of Men. That title is based on Ecclesiastes 7.13, which says, Consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? And in that book, Thomas Boston wrote about God's purposes for bringing suffering in our lives and also how he brings comfort into our lives and how he grows us through them. And this book has brought encouragement and comfort to many Christians. Thomas Boston found comfort in God's word and he was able to impart that comfort to others. There's a second means of comfort in this passage. Not only is God's word a means of comfort, but so is prayer. Paul be, uh, begins verse three by saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He begins by blessing and praising God for who he is as the God of all comfort. In Philippians four, six and seven, he wrote, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And here in 2 Corinthians, Paul begins this section by, by praising God, by blessing him. 
And so God wants us to praise him and bless him, even as we seek comfort from him. But he also wants us to pour out our hearts to him and bring our cares and our troubles to him, to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. In fact, he even gives us prayers in scripture that are prayers for the afflicted. Psalm 102 is entitled, A Prayer of the Afflicted, when he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. So let's pray to God. In addition to that, Paul also mentions prayer in verse 11. He says, You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Paul asked the Corinthians to help him by praying for him. Notice that we can help others in whatever they might be going through by praying for them. And he also gives a purpose of this prayer, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. So a purpose that God ha- that we have for prayer is that in this passage was that thanks would be given to God as he answered prayer. So prayer is for God's glory, that he would be glorified as, as, we, as prayer is answered, as he brings comfort to our lives or sustains us in whatever we might go through, whatever his purpose might be. So in our sufferings, pour out our hearts to God in prayer and pray for others who might be suffering, that God would comfort them. Well, fourthly, this passage also explains the purpose of comfort, and it gives two reasons why God brings suffering to our lives, and also two reasons why he comforts us in our sufferings. The first reason is so that we can comfort others. Verse 4 says, Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. God God comforts us so that we can share that comfort with others. He turns the comforted into comforters. Also makes this point in uh, in verse 6 where he says, If we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. In Philippians 1, 12 to 14, Paul wrote these words when he, he was in prison in Rome. He had been imprisoned, but he wrote this. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Most of the brethren in the Lord, having become more confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul received God's comfort in suffering, and that comfort enabled him to even speak the gospel boldly, and that was encouragement and a comfort to others as well. So our sufferings and the comfort we receive can be an encouragement to others, and they can enable us to comfort others with the comfort we receive. Johnny Erickson was a 17-year-old girl who was very athletic. But one day in 1967, she decided to go swimming with her sister in the Chesapeake Bay. And she saw a wooden raft and decided that this would be a nice place to take a dive from the raft. 
but she didn't realize how shallow the water was. And so when she dived, she severely injured her neck and back. She would become a quadriplegic who would be paralyzed from the shoulders down. She wouldn't be able to use her hands and her legs anymore and would have to live in a wheelchair. But she wrote this about that experience, that suffering. I took a reckless dive into shallow water. It was a fateful dive that completely altered my life. At first, when the doctors told me I would be a quadriplegic, I sank into a deep depression. Thankfully, Christian friends were praying for me and eventually I began to take a closer look at the Bible and to see what exactly God had to say about my circumstances. I learned that the God of the Bible is not sometimes sovereign. He doesn't occupy the throne one day and vacate it the next. He is supremely in charge, often for purposes we cannot understand this side of eternity. But as we trust him, some of those purposes can become plain. And for me, his purpose has meant giving the love of Christ to thousands of people with disabilities here and abroad. That is worth decades of life in a wheelchair. Johnny Erickson would marry and become Johnny Erickson Tata, and she would start a Christian ministry called Johnny and Friends. And a number of us in this congregation have had the opportunity of serving with that wonderful ministry, that ministry that has brought the comfort and love of Christ to thousands of people that have, with various disabilities. Well, Johnny Erickson Tata has also written many books on suffering that have brought a lot of comfort and encouragement to others. And her life and her example of how she's handled what God has given her have been such an encouragement. She has been afflicted and comforted by God so that she would be able to comfort others with the comfort she received from the Lord. And being a quadriplegic has given her a special ability to comfort others with disabilities. But we don't have to have this exact same kind of suffering as someone else to be able to comfort them. This passage says we're able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we've received. So if you've received God's comfort in your suffering, then pray for others and share that comfort with others. There's a second reason that God brings suffering in our lives and comforts us in that suffering that this passage points out. And that is that we would trust in God and rely on him and not ourselves. Verses 8 through 11 say, say this, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust, that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Paul experienced great trouble in Asia. But what trouble was that? Well, there are, are two main possibilities. First, he could be referring to a riot that happened in Ephesus that's described in Acts 19. When Paul says that this trouble happened in Asia, he's not talking about the whole continent of Asia. He's talking about the Roman province of Asia. That was a province in what's now southwest Turkey. And one of the most important cities in that province was the city of Ephesus. 
That was a city that Paul went to after he was in Corinth, and he labored there for two years. He preached the gospel and planted the church there. Ephesus was a city that was known all over for the worship of Artemis, which was a pagan goddess. She had a huge temple in the city, and people came there to worship Artemis. But the gospel was so successful because of the preaching of Paul that people stopped worshiping the goddess. And so the, the traffic that came when people would come and buy these trinkets, worship at the temple, decreased. And so there was a silversmith in that city named Demetrius who would make these trinkets. And when he saw that people weren't buying them and that he was not making money, he became very alarmed and upset. And he started a riot in the city. There was a huge mob formed. They seized Paul's companions, and it, it looked like they, could, they might have killed them. And Paul himself could have possibly been killed. But thankfully, the Lord did not allow that to happen. But that could be what Paul is referring to here, a great trial where he was despaired even of life. It's also possible, though, that he's just talking about another, some other trial that we don't know about. We know that Paul was persecuted on many occasions. Um, we also know that it could have been that there was some kind of uh, very serious life-threatening illness. But in any case, this suffering was so serious that Paul despaired of life. But, the, but there was a special purpose in this, in this trial. And that purpose was to teach Paul and his companions not to trust in themselves, but in God. And that's such an important lesson for all of us to learn. We're so easily prone to trusting in the flesh, to relying on our own gifts, maybe our own abilities, our own strength, to not relying on the Lord, but on ourselves. And we need to be reminded that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. And one of God's purposes for bringing suffering into our lives is to teach us to rely on him for grace and for strength. But God doesn't just teach this lesson through a one-time experience of, of almost dying. He also can teach it through ongoing sufferings. Paul himself experienced that. He had ongoing physical suffering, and he, he wrote about that in, later in this book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We don't know exactly what the Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Um, it was some kind of ongoing physical suffering that was very serious. But we do know that whatever it was, Paul prayed that the Lord would remove it, but then after he had prayed for that three times, the Lord gave him an assurance that it wouldn't be removed and that that was for the best. And so Paul was able to realize, realize that God had a good purpose in that. 
that it was so that he, lest he would be exalted above measure. It was so that it would be better that Paul have this thorn in the flesh and that he not be proud, but that he be constantly reminded of his need for God's power and God's strength. I'm a type 1 diabetic, and I've been that one for 20 years, and that has affected and impacted, changed my life. And it does feel like a thorn in the flesh to have diabetes, but I'm grateful for what God has taught me through it. And one of those lessons is this same lesson that Paul learned. Diabetes reminds me that I'm dependent on the Lord for strength, for health. He's the one who gives that health and that strength, and his grace and strength are sufficient. I'm also thankful to have learned through diabetes to have a greater sympathy and understanding for others who experience chronic illnesses and pains, and having experienced God's comfort to be able to comfort others. And so I thank God that he uses, he's used that diabetes to teach, teach me both of the lessons that this passage says God has, God's purposes for comfort, for suffering and comfort. And I'm, so I'm thankful for that. Well, this passage in 2 Corinthians teaches us much about God's comfort in our suffering. He comforts us by imparting his strength and his courage and his hope into our lives. He is the source of comfort. God the Father is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is a loving and a compassionate Heavenly Father who cares for His children. And the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, became man and suffered for us. And as our High Priest, He understands and sympathizes with us, with us and comforts us. And He invites us to come to Him and pour out our hearts to Him for the grace and the strength we need so we can receive comfort as we do that through prayer and also through the promises of God's word. And also, God brings brothers and sisters into our lives to comfort us. So brothers and sisters, our sufferings aren't, aren't meaningless tragedies. God does work them for good. And he comforts us in our sufferings, no matter what we might go through, so that we can comfort others and so that we would rely on him and not ourselves. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort. We thank you that you comfort us in all our tribulations. We thank you that you comfort us so that we may comfort others with the comfort we've received from you. We thank you for the example of saints that you have comforted and that you have used uh, to comfort others. And we thank you for teaching us through our, through our sufferings and through your comfort to rely on you and not ourselves. May we trust in your grace and, in, and may your power be sufficient for us. I pray, Lord, for all of us here, whatever we might be going through, that you would show and impart powerfully Give your comfort powerfully into our lives, that you would comfort us as the God of all comfort. We thank you that you are the God who does and who cares for us and loves us. And so we thank you that we can pray these things to you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>